Well, I am excited about what God's doing. Boy, haven't you guys felt the presence of the Lord already? And uh, I'm excited about what God is doing. You know, some people look at our world and they're like, oh, no, look at everything that's happening. But can I tell you, when you got Christ, it's like you can look at things optimistically. Even if that is not your natural bend, God gives us hope. And so we're going to, uh, I'm starting this series on called one another. And I think what a great thing, because sometimes we just think about one another right here. But you know, our brothers in Christ in Ukraine are still somebody that we're supposed to help carry their burden as well. They help us, we pray for them. So it's really a life. So I started thinking about this when I was talking last month. I had mentioned some of the one another's and uh, as February is here, and we think about Valentine's and stuff, it just made me think, how we treat one another is so important. In the scripture, I'm not going to cover, there's like 59 different one another's in the Bible. I am not going to do a 59-week series, just so you know. Uh, we're going to talk about it, but there, here's just some of the examples. Love one another, honor one another, serve one another, spur one another on to good deeds, live in harmony with one another, bear one another's burdens, submit to one another, pray for one another, greet one another with a holy kiss, which in you know college, that was like one of your favorite ones, guys, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, no, you didn't get to do that. So, uh, and now COVID, I think some Bibles have that deleted out of there. No, I'm just kidding. This is uh, where we are. And, and my whole thought as uh, we've been praying about this series is this right here. And I have this uh, quote, if we're going to be great at anything, let's be great at the great commandment. You know, as a, as a church and sometimes, you know, how many of you know Freedom Church? Uh, I know this may come as a shock, but we are not the largest church in El Dorado County. Everybody gasped, like, what? How is that possible? And, and that's okay. We may not have all the bells and whistles that some of them do, but you know what? My desire is that we would be the most loving church. Amen? Not that it's a competition because it's not. God loves all of us, but can we as a goal say, you know what? What I want to be great at, I want to be great at loving God and loving others. And this is, uh, I love the cross like this because uh, the, the beam going up and down represents our relationship with God. We should be good at loving God, am I right? I feel like through as we were in worship, I mean, we were just expressing our love to God, but we have to be equally as uh, loving each other. You know, when Jesus was asked, what is the, the, the greatest commandment? He said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And then he says, and the next is just like it. It's equally important, and that is our horizontal relationships. It is so important that that, that becomes something a part of us. Amen? Sometimes I hear people, maybe they got wounded in church. Uh, how many of you know sometimes that happens? There's a reason for that is because people come to church, right? And how many of you know sometimes we offend each other? If you think you've never offended somebody, then, then you're living in a bubble, right? It just happens. But we, and so we, people are like, oh, I'm just, just me and God. I just want me and God. But it's like you miss a dynamic of the kingdom by missing those horizontal relationships. So that's what we're going to talk about uh, this series. We're not going to, it's not like a big chunk of scripture we're going to be looking at. It's uh, basically one-liners that are so significant. And the first one that I really felt important to talk about is out of 1 Thessalonians. It says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. How many of you know sometimes we can be doing something, but we can also be doing it more? So they were already doing it, but it's like, don't forget, you, you know, keep doing that, but do it more. Don't forget, this is so important. There's another uh, one of the one another's in Hebrews 3.13, basically expresses the same, encourage one another, how often? Daily. daily. Listen, that challenged me, because I thought, do I do this Daily. Is this something I do on a regular basis? And I had to be honest with myself and say, no, I probably don't. Sometimes I just get focused on my life, my world, my issues, and it's like, no, we're called to do it daily. If I'm going to do something daily, how many of you know you have to do it on purpose? Right? You've got, you've got to set a goal. That's why, uh, and let me tell you, you can't really misinterpret what he's saying here. 
And it's like, well, what do you really mean by encourage? What are you, what are you talking about? This is very practical, and it's very obvious, but how many of you know a lot of times we struggle with that? We struggle with encouraging one another's. And one thing I love, you know, sports, uh, and I'm not talking about any teams here, but how many of you know even in, in most sports, even if a player messes up, drops the ball, whatever, the other guys or gals come around and they encourage them like, oh man, it's all right. You know what? Get back up. You can do this. It's not like, you loser. I can't believe you dropped the ball. You, I mean, some get a little worked up. Maybe hockey does that. I don't know. Usually in a team, they build each other up. If you do a good job, they build you up. If you blow it, they're like, hey, listen, shake it off, move on, and, and let's keep doing this. And uh, it, it made me think of this quote by uh, Phil Jackson, who uh, coached the Chicago Bulls to uh, I don't know how many victories and, and then the Lakers, but he said this, the strength of the team is each individual member, and the strength of each member is the team. I know that sounds simplistic, but it's kind of profound when you think about it because it made me uh, think of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. It says, now all of you together, that's all of you, anybody that happens to be watching online, all of you together are Christ's body. That's the church, correct? We are the church. And it says each one of you is separate and yet a necessary part of it. We're all important. There are no bench warmers in the kingdom of God. Amen? We are all a, an important part, and you're like, well, you know what? I'm not on the worship team. I'm not the pastor. I'm not leading a small group. You don't have to have one of those positions in order to be important in the kingdom of God. You may think that. Let me tell you, I can guarantee the enemy will whisper, you're not that important. They won't miss you. It's not a big deal. Listen, everybody is important. Everybody is important. And so I thought about that quote by Phil Jackson and then this scripture, and so I wanted to kind of merge this here. Uh, the strength of the church is each member, and the strength of each member is the church. How many of you know we are, are, are mutually dependent upon each other? We need each other. Uh, the people that just isolate and just say, I just want to serve God, I don't want people. Yes, you can make it to heaven that way, but I want to tell you, you're going to be kind of miserable doing it. There is a joy, there is a bond, there is an encouragement that we get. And I think when Paul addressed this to the Thessalonians, uh, being inspired of the Holy Spirit, you may not realize, we read the books and we don't realize what the churches are going through. The church of Thessalonica was going through tremendous persecution. And I believe what Paul is saying is like, you guys better stick together. You guys better huddle up, encourage one another if you're going to make it through. How many of you know those words apply to us today? We're gonna, we may not be facing some existential crisis, but how many of you know we all face individual battles? And, and we need each other. We need to encourage each other if we're going to do it. So I'm going to cover in a minute three ways uh, uh, to do that. But first, I want us to look at that word encourage because the Greek word uh, actually kind of means, it's one of the words to fan into flame. Like if you have a blacksmith, we had a friend at our, our church in Texas who had a blacksmith and he had one of the, what do they call those, billows or the things that blow the air on it? And it's like, you would think, because like I remember as a kid, birthday cakes, if I blow air onto a, a candle, it blows out, right? And it's like, but yet they blow air onto the fire and it just gets it hotter. And that's kind of what that word is implying. When we encourage each other, our embers may be growing cold, but it's like blowing that fresh air. And don't you guys feel built up when somebody gives you a word of encouragement? You're like, oh man, I feel a little bit stronger here. And so that word kind of means to, to, to build those up where your fires are going out. But there's another aspect of this word, kind of like a military speech before they go into battle. Because when you're going into battle, you know, your knees may be knocking like, oh no, I don't know if I'm going to do that. But how many of you, if you've watched Braveheart, yeah, that's the speech, right? And it's like, uh, if you look at that movie, it's like a lot of them were starting to leave. And then all of a sudden, William Wallace gives this amazing speech and they're like, oh, I'm ready to do this now. And so that's kind of the two dimensions of this word. And uh, let me just give you a little uh, hindsight here. The job of a pastor, and I heard this, I didn't originate this term, but I, I've kind of latched onto it, but I believe it's a term for all of us. My job is to comfort the afflicted, right? Those that are struggling, 
those that are having a hard time, but then at the same time to afflict the comfortable. You can think about it, right? How many of you know sometimes we can just get comfortable? Doesn't it say, and I read it a minute ago, we got to spur one another on. Because when we get comfortable, I think that's what that military speech is, is like, oh, I don't know about it. And it's like, no, we need to spur one another on. And yet at the same time, and, and I think there's a balance in that. So it's not just pastors. I believe that's all of our job uh, to do that. Yes, there are people that are struggling. Don't go up there and just give them like, hey, you know what? Quit whining and get, get out there and do what God's called you to do. No, there's times we need to comfort people. And then there's times that we need to challenge people. And that's really this, these two sides of this word about encouraging. So, and I just want to touch on the other one. It says, and build each other up, which uh, th- that's, that's really easy to understand too. It is a construction term. could talk about literally building something. But I believe that we build people when we begin to encourage them. It lays foundations for healthy relationship. And, and can I just say, that's why I believe that small groups are so important I've talked about our Wednesday Bible study, such an important time. We've got connections, relationship. Uh, you may not be able to make that, but like the, uh, uh, Bob and Marilyn are going to be doing our Tuesday afternoon, morning. What time are you guys doing? I did morning. morning. All right. So 7 a.m. Tuesday. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Tuesday morning. I don't know what, 10 or 11 o'clock like that. We'll get the times for you. So if you don't drive at night and you can't do it, Uh, Get connected there. The other one's going to be at uh, David and Christina's in Rescue on Sunday night, and then the other one at Bill and Beth in Placerville. So we're only starting out with three, but I believe that if we start getting connected, you're going to build relationships. You're going to find strength that you didn't realize you had. And it's like, maybe you didn't have it, but guess what? Somebody else is going to come along, and uh, and, and that's kind of how things should be. We should be encouraging each other. I I remember reading a study sometime back that uh, it talked to, and I think it was by University of Nebraska or something like that, where uh, it said healthy families, it's a 10 to 1 ratio on positives versus negative words spoken in that family. Like if you grew up in a home where you don't do this and you don't do that and you always fail here and you miss that and you do that, how many of you know you feel beat down? But sometimes you have to be addressed on some of those things. But in this study on healthy families, they had 10 positive things to say for every one negative thing to say. How many of you know that will make a difference? Yes, we all need to be addressed where we're, where we're messing up. And I believe really that God set the example in that. If you look in Revelations, just the first couple of chapters where he's addressing the seven churches, how many of you know those were some messed up churches? If you read, there's dysfunction, there's heresy, idolatry, sexual immorality that's going on. And he addresses all of those things, but he always starts out up to each church. He gives this nice, positive, encouraging thing. You're doing so well here. He's like building them up, but then he gives them a word of correction, right? So uh, it's not like I'm doing the little exchange there, uh, but I believe that it's something that we need to model that before we speak to somebody to bring any kind of correction. How many of you know we better build them up too? We better, you know, don't just come like, oh yeah, well you do this and you do that and you, you always fail here and all that. Here's the fact. How many of you know we're not called to tear each other down? Right? That is not a spiritual gift uh, of criticism. Does not what God has called us to do. Uh, we can build people up and address things, but I think that we got to make sure that our heart is right before we do it. If we're just out trying to be the, uh, uh, the sin police, then let me tell you, we're stepping in the wrong lane. We've got to actually love each other. We've got to care about each other. So let, let's keep it real. How many of you know every time we point our finger at somebody, what do they say? We got what? Three pointing back at us, right? Unless you do that. So uh, don't do that. So here's the thing. I, want to, I believe that God wants us to create a culture in his church of encouragement. Wouldn't that be awesome? A culture where we build each other up, where maybe no matter how hard of a week you've had, you know that when you come, you're going to be encouraged. Somebody's going to put their arm around you. Somebody's going to ask how you're doing. And it shouldn't only happen while we're at church. How many of you know, if you're struggling, you, you should be able to have somebody that you can call and say, listen, I, I need you to pray with me. I, I'm going through this situation. We should have that kind of a relationship. But again, that takes intentionality. So uh, let me just get into this. Three ways to encourage each other. Number one, 
is to catch people doing things right. I know, isn't that very profound? I, I believe that the art of encouragement begins with, the, with our focus and our mindset. So what is my mindset? Do I purpose to catch people doing things right? Because let's be honest that it's a lot easier to catch people doing things wrong. To catch somebody, if you go to the restaurant and they haven't filled up your, your drink in uh, like 15 minutes, how many of you know you're going to be a little annoyed? Right? But if, if you're in conversation with somebody, talking, and they're coming and filling that thing up, and you're not even thinking about it, it's like what stands out more is the one that didn't fill it up versus the one that was there filling it up. And so it's just, I think it's our natural reaction. I mean, it's a lot easier to catch your kids doing something wrong than if they're doing something right. Uh, as employers, again, easy to see, hey, listen, they're doing something wrong rather than the ones that are doing it right. So I, I honestly believe it. What are we focused on? What are the things when we look for people uh, I, to create that uh, culture of encouragement, I've got to think about what the things that I'm focused on. To take the time and, and, and see, hey, listen, you're doing this right. You're doing this good. And, and I think we need to work on it because, listen, even in every church you go to, how many of you know there's problems? Why is that? Again, because there's people that go there. It happens. Uh, but listen, we don't just need to, oh, this church has got this problem. This church has got... Let's look at some of the positives. Let's look at what God is doing. Let's look at and, and celebrate that. Catch people doing things right. Uh, noticing those little things. And so I, I think I mentioned this. For your focus will determine your reality. Literally, what you focus on. If you go into a restaurant looking for what's wrong, how many of you know you're going to find it? If you go into a church to find out what's wrong, guarantee you're going to find it. I've had people like, you know, they come to the church. Almost any church you go to at first, everything seems wonderful. And then after a while, it's like, mm, your church has got problems. It's like, yeah, but you know what? What are you focused on? I, I, I'm not preaching out of Philippians where Paul says, if anything's good, right, pure, perfect, or uh, think about those such things. But I think that really deals with our mentality. What am I thinking about? Am I thinking about what God is doing, or am I thinking about what's not happening? Oh, this needs to happen, that needs to happen. And sometimes we fall into one of two categories as people. There's one category of people, don't raise your hand if you're this one, but that uh, no matter how good things are, they're going to find something bad. How many of you have met somebody like that? Like, everything's going good, everything's wonderful. Yeah, you know what, that's true, but you know what, look at this. And it's like, thanks, you know, Debbie Downer, right? Whatever the... Uh, some of you guys don't even know who that is. But anyway, uh, then there's the people that no matter how bad things there are, they're going to find something good, right? Well, don't you want to be that second person? Yeah, there's always bad things. But let's not always focus on that. Let's celebrate good things. And listen, I know people have different personalities, there is a gift of encouragement that the Scripture talks about. And I honest, I'm telling you the truth. I've heard people say, I just don't have that gift of encouragement. If you need encouragement, you need to go see brother so-and-so because they'll encourage you. I'm the one that, I'm, you know, I'm the prophet. I'm going to tell you what's wrong. I'm just going to read you the right act. Uh, can I just say a wrong answer? Even if you don't have, yes, some people have that gift that it's just natural. But I want to tell you, there is a baseline of obedience God has called us to. All of us are called to encourage one another. Amen. And if it's not easy, and if it's not natural, that's okay because you're not alone. It's a matter of retraining our thought and our process because it's so much easier to criticize, isn't it? Here, here's what we need to do. We've got to break that habit of criticizing and build the habit of complaining. If you're around a bunch of people that complain and criticize, how many of you know before you know it, it's going to be coming out of you? I'll never forget, you know, I, I went from Bible college into the military, and if you've been in the military, how many of you know all they do is complain? Am I right? And it's like, ah, this isn't good. I don't like that. I don't like that, Sergeant. I got to do this. So uh, here's the thing that I realized afterwards that was happening to me. Uh, you know, I went in there and I'm thinking, man, I'm going to be a light. I'm going to show Jesus. I'm going to do that. Uh, the longer I was in it, all of a sudden I found myself complaining and criticizing like everybody else. And then the Lord uh, convicted me, like, what are you doing? You sound like everybody else. So it was a mentality. It became a habit. 
It came a habit of criticizing, and it's like, no, I want to build the habit of complimenting even when it's not comfortable. I want to notice. I want to notice my spouse when she's doing things, my kids, uh, uh, people that I work with, people that I come in contact with, learning to say thank you. How many of you like a, a, a thank you? How many of you like that word? I, I think it's an amazing thing to, uh, to begin to get those words of encouragement. I like this quote by Mark Twain. I put it down there. He says, I can live two months on one good compliment. I can live two months. And let me just say that Jesus really set that example of building others up. When you think about the people that Jesus ate with, the people that Jesus came in contact with, uh, the, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, that I guarantee they never heard an encouraging word, right? They never had, oh, you're such a good tax collector. You're just, you know, here, here's a little, here's a tip. No, they never got anything. But guess what? Jesus built them up even though nobody else did. I think about the time the prostitute came and anointed Jesus' feet in the home of a Pharisee. And they're all appalled, like, I can't believe he would do that. And uh, what does Jesus do? He didn't say, hey, listen, sister, you better get your act right. He didn't do that, did he? He says, you know, what you have done is going to be spoken about forever. And here we are, what, 2,000 plus years later, and we're still talking. And so he built people up on a regular basis. He encouraged them. And yeah, uh, occasionally he like really dove into the Pharisees, but those were the ones uh, that thought they had it all together. And he had to, uh, at that point, he had to uh, 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 get after, uh, those were, they were too comfortable. They needed a reality check, right? So here's the thing. Like I said, maybe simple, take someone to a meal, take them to coffee, uh, come up and give them a hug. Isn't that amazing? Like sometimes, have you ever been built up that way? Like, you know what? I didn't think anybody cared. I came in. I didn't know what was going to happen, and somebody came in. So I believe it'll make a huge difference. Number two is that we need to compliment like crazy. That is, uh, and it has to be a genuine compliment. Amen? Amen. Anybody like a good fake compliment? Like you've been working in the yard all day, you're sweaty, your hair's a mess, you stink, and someone says, wow, you look really good today. You're like, you know, you don't, yeah, sure I do, right? No, we don't want to give out false, if you can't find a good compliment, you better dig deeper. Because I guarantee every person you come in contact with, there is something about them that you can build them up with. And if you can't, well, I don't see anything, you better look a little harder, right? Maybe it's hard to find you. Uh, I shared this story with my, the first service. Uh, this was a few weeks ago. I usually go down to the Circle K and get me a nice big soda, Diet Dr. Pepper. It's, a, it's good stuff. Am I right? <laughs> and uh, uh, anyway, I was in there, and I, all of them know me because I go in there all the time. So I was having this conversation with one of the gals, and she's like, oh, today's my son's birthday. He's going to be 21. I can't believe I got a 21-year-old. And I said, wow. I said, you know what? My youngest son's going to be 30 this year. And she like looked at me. She's like, your kids are in their 30s? I said, yeah. And she goes, you look way too young for that. And all of a sudden, I, I do look. I just like walked out of that store like, yeah. Hard to get out the door, huh? Yeah, it was hard to get out of my head. That compliment like just like swole me, right? I was like, it's amazing what one good compliment, and listen, if you guys want to tell me how young, it's hard to believe that I've got kids in their 30s, then I'm all in. One good compliment can build your day up. How many of you know one criticism can tear down your whole week? One bad word will totally destroy everything else. And I just, I want to say this because I've heard people say this. If, if you've ever done it, again, don't raise your hand, but if you see somebody and maybe they look a little tired or stressed out, please don't go up to them and say, wow, you look really tired today. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Because if you do that and they're not tired, then they're thinking, well, I'm not tired. What are you saying then? I look horrible. I look like, you know, stuff. <laughs> right? Is that what you're saying? Let me just say, that's not a compliment. If somebody looks tired and they look stressed out and they look worn up, go up to them and say, hey, listen, I've just been praying for you. Hey, how are you? You know, give a good word of encouragement. I like what it says in Ephesians 4.29. It says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit 
those who listen. Now, I love this. This is a great verse, right? We want to build them up. We want it to be for their benefit. And this is inspired by God. I, I believe that the modern-day translation is, if you don't have something nice to say, right? Okay, and I, I think that that's partially true right there. But this word, unwholesome, it references uh, rotting or uh, fruit that is overripe. So think about this. Sometimes the words that come out of our mouth to somebody else is like serving them a delicious plate of uh, moldy strawberries and peaches. Right? How would you like that? When we give somebody a word and we think it's going to be a good one, what am I serving people? Right? He say, don't let that unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. We got to actually think about what we're saying. And then what he goes on to say, but only that which may benefit those. This word right here, benefit, literally is a, is a gift. How many of you realize this fruit basket looks a whole lot better? Sometimes our words can be moldy fruit to other people. How many of you have ever received moldy fruit from other people? They spoke a word, and you're just like, well, that was rotten. <laughs> that made me feel horrible. That didn't encourage me. But how many of you ever had somebody speak something good to you? And it built you up. Now listen, I found this picture with the nice fruit, but I saw chocolate in it. So that makes it an even better gift, am I right? You give me fruit, yeah, fruit. But if it's got chocolate, I mean, that's, that's the kind of word I want to give people. If you don't like chocolate, I'm sorry. But listen, if you've been on the receiving end, we understand. We understand. I want to make sure if we're going to build a culture that encourages each other, then we've actually got to think about our words before they come out of our mouth. All right, because after they come out of your mouth, have you ever tried to pull them back? It doesn't work, does it? It's like they're out there. If you ever text something and you hit send, how many of you know you can't unsend? Same thing with our mouth, right? We've got to be care very careful about not poisoning other people with our word. And I think that goes with our faith. You don't want to speak doubt over somebody. If somebody comes up and says, oh, man, I've been diagnosed with this, can I tell you the worst thing that you can do is come up and say, oh, man, my aunt so-and-so died from that. <laughs> oh, no, and, and you start speaking doubt. I mean, they're like, oh, I believe God's going to heal me. Well, you know what? I don't know. You know what? I know, I know eight people that have died from that. They lost a limb. They lost whatever. We've got to begin to speak faith, amen? amen. Speak uh, words of encouragement. So, Listen, that, that's just how I've been challenged by this myself. As I was studying for this, I'm like, oh God, do I do this all the time? And I have to be honest, I don't always do it. And so I'm like trying to retrain even my mind. I want to speak positive words over people. I want to encourage. I want to build them up like the scripture says. I mean, the Bible talks about malice and bitterness and gossip. Pretty much they're all the same thing. But I think if we make a rule of the thumb, say, well, you know what? Uh, and I failed at this. You probably have too. If I wouldn't say it to their face, I don't want to say it behind their back. Because I've had people come up to me and they told me about so-and-so. And, you know, and, and if they're willing to talk to me about so-and-so, guess what they're going to probably do to me around somebody else. So uh, compliment like crazy. A couple of thoughts on this. How do I do it? Well, if there's somebody that has spoken ill of you, done something wrong, I, I found the thing that really helps me is the first thing I need to do is pray for them. Right. Yeah, I mean, and it's hard sometimes. Let's be honest. It's hard. There's some people that are hard to pray for, but the scripture doesn't say about praying for your enemies if you feel like it. We do it anyway, and what God does, and when you begin to continue to pray for somebody, God begins to turn my heart. And to where I can actually love that person, even if they've never apologized. Even if they've never done that. So, uh, compliment, pray for them. Secondly, let's not criticize others for things that we don't like about ourselves. Everybody say, ouch. You got to think about that one. Because a lot of things we don't like about somebody else is something that we're doing, that we're struggling with in our own life. And, and, and listen, I know sometimes kids can say some painful things, am I right? Uh, but we need to remember that people that say mean things or bad things, it's because there's something about themselves that they don't like. There's something else inside of them that they're struggling with. So uh, I, I know it's hard, but try not to take it personally. Even if it is personal, instead pray for them, right? 
begin to, I think Jesus said it this way, take the, uh, the speck out of your eye, right, before you take the one out of their eyes. So uh, I, I think it's important sometimes even to look at myself and say, can I criticize myself? You know what? Do, it, do I have my own areas of struggle? It's good to be aware of that, not to ride on it. But you know what? If I know I got struggles, someone else has got struggles, we're all trying to make it through together. Amen? Let's move on. It says, uh, oh, one last thing I wanted to cover before I moved on. If we want to change somebody, how many of you know sometimes we nag and criticize? Yeah. All right. I heard that yep really quick there, right? But what, that's not how God did it, is he? The Bible says in Romans 2.10, it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. Repentance means to change, doesn't it? Change and go the other way. He didn't do it by nagging us. He didn't do it just by beating us down. If we don't change, guess what? God shows us more kindness. God loves us. I think we can take an example from that. So uh, let's move on. Number three here. Share your testimony. And, uh, and you're like, how is this in this word of encouragement? Honestly, I think one of the greatest ways we can encourage another person is by sharing what God has done in your life. And, uh, and I loved our men's breakfast yesterday because uh, Christian and uh, Sam both shared their testimony and, uh, of what God has done in their life. And I think it was powerful. I think God did some great work and, and, and encouraged people uh, as a result of it. But how many of you know it doesn't always have to be an encouragement over our, a testimony of our salvation? How many of you know there are other testimonies we deal with? Right? If you go, we, sometimes we need to share some of our pain and how God has been there. Like if you, uh, if, if you got some kind of sickness or a disease or, or cancer or something like that and you tell how God has been there and how he provided for you, how he healed you, that can be a tremendous testimony. Maybe a testimony of, of losing somebody that you love. That's painful. We've all done it. We've all lost people. Uh, but you talk about uh, how God comforted you and helped you through it. Uh, you know, if you're a woman and maybe you had a miscarriage, that's a painful situation. But if you can share a testimony with somebody else of how God comforted and how God was there for you, let me tell you, that's, that's, you got to be a little brave to do that, am I right? If you've gone through a divorce, divorce is hard, it's painful, uh, but you share how God provided you and got you to the other side of it. Let me just tell you, your testimonies are more powerful than you realize. They're more amazing than you realize. And, uh, and I love what uh, Revelation, it says that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Overcoming the enemy. The enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. How do we overcome that in people's life? Well, certainly we need the blood of the lamb. But your testimony is a part of what helps other people be set free. The things that God has done in your life really does help people. And I love this. This is uh, John who wrote the book of Revelation and uh, uh, some how or six decades or so prior to that, he said this in Acts chapter 4, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And John was the only disciple that was not martyred. I think most of you guys realize that if you didn't, but it wasn't from lack of trying. One of the, uh, the, the Roman emperors tried to uh, martyr him, put him, according to tradition, a cauldron of burning oil. And just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it didn't kill him. I don't know what that scene had to look like, but I can imagine if you're boiling in oil and it doesn't hurt, and you're, you live through that, I'm going to be telling people about Jesus from the pot. Let me tell you, this is Jesus that's doing that. Why isn't he dying? What's going on? And so he's telling, so he got uh, isolated to the island of Patmos, but he was preaching. And so I want to challenge you share your testimony. You've got family, you've got friends, you've got colleagues that you know, uh, and, and Jesus has changed your life, and they need to hear that story. And listen, I just want to say, you don't have to create the opportunities. How many of you know that's God's job? But when that opportunity comes, we've got to be ready to share. And, and you may think, well, what if they laugh? What if they mock me? What if they lose respect? And I'm thinking, you know what? If John can preach from a pot of hot oil, then I can take a little heat. That's right. right? I can take a little heat. The, and, and listen, when people reject, they're not rejecting you, or they're rejecting Jesus. So we've got to make our decision. And like I said, not just the successes, but the difficult things in our life. 
Here's what I believe about our testimony, because when people are going through the difficulties of life and you share your testimony, here's my definition of a testimony. It is us loaning our faith to someone else and allowing them to borrow from our experience, and guess what? They don't have to pay it back. When they hear your story and how God was there for you, how God brought you, how God gave you peace and joy and comfort and all of those things, it's something that begins to build them up like, okay, if God did it for you, then maybe God will do it for me. Maybe God will provide it for me. I I think it's a powerful thing. Like I said, you don't testify uh, just about the victories. Test about, about the, different, the difficult things that you go through. And, uh, and after our men's breakfast yesterday, I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about testimony all week. That's why I asked uh, uh, Christian and Sam to share because it's so powerful. But Mike had given a testimony yesterday as well. So I've asked him to come up and uh, just to share a little bit about that. And he may be sharing another word, too. So uh, I'm okay with that. I, I got the mic. If he goes too long, we'll just cut it. So, uh. But come up here because people on, on camera will want to hear as well. So, uh. Hello. Yeah, Pastor Scott called me and uh, talked to me about the testimony, which is the most powerful uh, tool we have in our evangelistic toolbox. And I've been praying, God, what do you want me to say? And I heard about encouraging, and we need to encourage each other. First of all, I want to say I love this church. Hmm. This is not just a mamby-pamby compliment. We have a prayer meeting on Thursday night, every Thursday night. When I first met, we didn't come to this church to attend here all the time. We came to hear a guest speaker. I think it's Darren? Darwin. Darwin. But when I talked to Pastor Scott and Pastor Colleen, we went to lunch with them, I think, the first time we're here. I can't remember that. But I remember what Scott told me, Pastor Scott. He says, we have a prayer meeting, and this is what hit me hard. No matter if, if, if no one shows up, we will be here. I said, that's the church I want to be in. That's why we're here. God says, my house will be whew, called the house of prayer. And God woke me up last night, and I have a testimony about my neighbor. But first, when he gives me something, I go, why do you give me that? I don't want to do it. My knees are knocking a little bit, you know. <laughs> but if I don't say it, he's going to get someone else to say it. And when we came here this morning, and I heard that first song, my wife grabbed my leg and gave me, we heard that first song. The battle belongs to the Lord, and we will fight the battle on our knees. Now, this might be a news flash, but this world is hurting right now. It's hurting. There's so much division, so much going on. How do we fight that battle? We sing about it, but we fight that battle on our knees. He goes to battle for us. And there are so many churches out there that most people don't know about in El Dorado that don't even have prayer. Most people don't know that. My wife and I did a study, and we had two pages of churches, we would call them. One church had like maybe 1,200 people. We went to their prayer night. Three people showed up. That's pathetic. I'm sorry, man, and and, and I want to say good things, but we need the Lord. We need his supernatural power. He's there for us. He's there for us. And this world is in chaos. And, boy, we need to get on our knees. So I'm inviting everyone here Thursday night. Come one time, try it. If we need, if we need child care, I'll get the child care that we need. We need to come now. We need to battle on our knees. How bad does it have to get? I got two daughters, and if one, my, one of my daughters is pretty athletic, and if she worked all her life to be a swimmer, and a man took that position, I would be crying. I'd be hurting. This world is bad. I I spoke at a church one time, and I said, how bad does it have to get? Are we going to marry our pets next? That's already happened, people. God woke me up in prayer, and he he, he asked me, he says, what year is it? I said, it's 2020, thinking, what, big deal? Like, He says, you people need to open your eyes. He's calling us out. He wants to build warriors, and this church is strong. This church is strong in prayer. We have pastors that are leaders. You mentioned Braveheart. I respect leaders, and that's what we need. We need to stand up. 
but I just, I wanted, he wanted me to tell my testimony. But I, I want to say this, the good part, very loving people in this church. Very loving. And I'm proud to talk about you and your wife. This is not a phony compliment. They are here. They are here every Thursday night. They are leading this church. God bless them. But I, I, my neighbor, uh, he heard uh, when my neighbor Larry, uh, God called me out to go to his house. He had cancer. He was wearing a bag on him. And God says, you go to him. I said, no, God, would you bring him to my house? Chicken and out. Bring him to my house. God says, no, you go to him. So I always say, what do I tell him? God says the same thing. Tell him the truth. Us men, we beat around the bush. I, could, I was suicidal one time. Somebody came up to me. How you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. We, we don't talk to each other, especially men, because we don't think people care. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Or how much, yeah, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. But it's just, so when I went to Larry, my neighbor, and I was telling him, I said, I said, I don't know what to tell him. God said, tell him the truth. I said, well, Larry, I prayed for you two weeks ago, and God sent me here to tell you, to give you a message. He loves you. He loves you. Plain and simple. And I said, I didn't want to come here, Larry. It's the truth. I didn't want to come here. I didn't want you to think I was a Bible beater. And he kind of laughed. And I looked at him. I stopped cold. And I said, Larry, do you believe in God? And he goes, I said, tell me the truth. He said, I don't believe in God. So guess what I gave him? My testimony. And that testimony touched him. He says, I said, can I pray for you before I leave? And he goes, yeah. He got down. And he got on the ground. I prayed for him. Anyway, I'll give you the short version. He ended up, he goes to the hospital. Everyone thought he was going to die. And I was able to get to him and talk to him and give him the gospel. That's the good news. We worry about, I have people tell me I don't have, I don't have that gift of evangelism. Come on, people. We don't all have to be Billy Graham. They call it the gospel, the good news. We don't want to give the good news. Come on. We all have that. We just need to. People are hurting out there. So my neighbor, he, Pastor Scott officiated the funeral. We call it a celebration of life. And I got to speak on Larry's behalf because he died. About a year later, he died. And my neighbor watched it on the Zoom or whatever it is. I'm a low-tech guy. But he watched it, and he told me, it's Roy over here, he told me, he says, it jacked him up. That's a man code for got to his heart. He said, it, after he heard Pastor Scott and me talk about Larry and the love that we had, and your message was strong that day, he went to church. He had not been to church in 55 years. And the next, in the next few days he came. He came to my house. And the Holy Spirit just got a hold of him. And after talking to him, he gave his, his life. Just last Friday, he gave his life to the Lord. And you know what? Oh, yeah, I'm going to celebrate that. We celebrate football games and baseball games. And they say, all of heaven rejoices when one. So, hallelujah, we are happy. And I do talk a lot. But, you know, people say we want a revival. These revivals start on our knees. Yeah. We need to come, and this world is in a bad shape now. Come on, Thursday night, I'm inviting you to come. One time, that's all I ask. Amen, amen. I know his wife will appreciate this, but it's always scary giving Mike a mic, so... Uh... And I appreciate the compliments, uh, builds, you, builds you up, he's putting it into practice, but, you know, I, I think the thing that I really want to hit on is his testimony changed the life of his friend, which changed the life of another person. We have no idea where it's going. So there's more power in it. And like I said, you don't have to create the opportunities, but, but when the opportunity comes, somebody opens up to you about something that they're going through and it's like oh no I know I should say something just I, I mean I want to encourage just open your mouth and start talking and you will be amazed at what God will do because I don't think Mike realized oh I'm going to go over and talk to my neighbor it's going to change his life it's going to change Roy and we want to thank Roy for being here you know what that doesn't mean that's where it ends 
So you have more in your, I like what you call it, your toolbox, than you realize your testimony. And I think about that scripture. I don't, do I have it back here? Where's it at? Right there. Two words that I wouldn't think initially would go together, the blood of the Lamb, of Jesus, and the word of my testimony. It's like, how do those work together? They work together because this is the power that bought us salvation. This is the way that we begin to share that. This is the way that it begins to go into all the world. So uh, how do I do it? Again, it's going to have to be, instead of always just going up and say, hey, how are you doing? Hey, how's your life going? What if you ask somebody, hey, do you got any struggles? Are you struggling with anything? How's things going? Instead of how's the weather, we need to actually begin to open our mouth. And I, I have this quote here by St. Francis of Assisi. Maybe some of you have heard this. Some people live by this example. He says, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. And I understand the, uh, uh, the, the feeling we've got to be living it before we start talking it, right? right. How many of you know if you're talking it and then they look at your lifestyle and it's counter to everything? How many of you know you destroyed your testimony right there? But I do want to say this, that eventually we've got to actually use some words. Your lifestyle needs to demonstrate. If words never come out of your mouth, then they may think you're just a really nice person. Oh, they're just so good. They're so kind. And guess what? Guess who gets all the praise for that? I do, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what? I gave this person this, and I did that, and I helped them move, uh, but I never told them about Jesus. So, yes, live the lifestyle, but we've got to have that, that verbal witness and, and I have a testimony in my life. I know uh, uh, even as we heard that testimony, most of you guys know that, you know, growing up, we went to church a couple times as a family, but it wasn't really something that we did. I had a friend that, that became my friend at third grade in Midland, Texas, and throughout our years of high, uh, elementary, high school, uh, he would keep inviting me to his church, and I actually have a picture of him and his wife. This was him when he was younger. This is him older now. It happens after all of those years, but his name is Derek. I'm going to have to send this to him because he has no idea I'm sitting there saying this about him. But because he kept inviting me, because he kept, you know, you know they'd have an event. Oh, come to this, come to that. It's going to be a great thing. Come to Friday. They played a volleyball, different things. Uh, eventually, it stuck. And God was able to get a hold of my heart because somebody was willing to step out. It wasn't necessarily his testimony, but it was an invitation. And then it was another invitation. And then it was another invitation to where all of a sudden I realized, you know what? These people here, I was in a church, and I, just re I remember this thought specifically. These people have something that I don't have, and I want what they have. Because I saw some kind of a peace, I saw some kind of a joy on their face that, that I'm like, okay, I've seen this enough, I don't know how to explain it. It's not just like, oh, this is really good music or anything. As a matter of fact, I didn't really care for the music, but that's a sign from the start. I saw something in them that I wanted, and it was because of God using this guy stepping out and talking to me. And so I'm so very thankful. And yes, his wife as well. They were all a part of the youth group when I was going in there. So, so as we get ready to uh, wrap this up, we're not necessarily going to have an altar call. But if you do need prayer, uh, we're going to have some people that will be here because we are to love one another. We are to carry one another's burdens. Am I right? Part of that is praying for one another. So we are going to have some people up here at the end if you need uh, I'm going to encourage you to come up, but today we are handing out, these, are, uh, these look like little Bibles, some of you guys got some of them last week, uh, we can get as many as we want because they're free, although we gave a donation to the ministry, it is just simply scripture that tells the life of Jesus uh, out of the four gospels and it's put together in a really unique way for somebody to hear about Jesus, uh, at the same time we've got one of the little invite cards uh, I want to encourage you. Listen, we are to love one another here, but how many of you know, even as Mike was saying, we're to love people that are out. And the best way we can do it, listen, if you go to a restaurant, and, and, and uh, I've always told you this, some of you guys know it, tip well, and then leave this. If you're going to leave them a sorry tip, don't leave them anything, right? So uh, how many of you know your tip can be a testimony? And, and let me just say this, because we, we, Colleen and I both worked as uh, waiter, waitresses at a restaurant. 
Uh, if you're coming there Sunday after church and you're dressed fairly nice, do you know that they already know you just came out of church? Right? So you better tip good. If you tip good any time of the you better do it all the time. But if you do any time, realize you're leaving a testimony to those people right there. Amen? So, uh, so we've got some of those books in the back. Uh, we've only got a few, so I'm just going to encourage you to take one, maybe two of them like that. Uh, but make a purpose this week to say, God, teach me to get out of my comfort zone and to begin to love other people. Help me to change my focus. Help me to encourage people. If it's with a word of encouragement or if it's just simply sharing my testimony, Lord, help me to do it. If it's simply giving somebody an invite, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a coworker, whoever it is, listen, it's not about, oh, we got to build our church and make it bigger. No, Jesus said this. He says, upon this rock, I will build my church. How many of you know God is the one that's going to build his church? But if we're doing the things that God's kind of going to do for us, then just like my friend who invited me, God used him to build the church by adding me. And then my wife, same thing. And now our whole family serves the Lord. And now we are grandkids. And, uh, you know, the kingdom is built just by a simple invite, a simple testimony. Can I have everybody stand Lord, I thank you for the simplicity of the gospel found in John 3.16 for God so loved the world that you gave your only begotten son that whosoever believes in you, Lord God will not perish but have eternal life Lord, let that message burn in our heart Lord, as we go through this day, through this week Lord, through this year let us begin to be the people that encourage one another. Let us start right here in the house of you, Lord. And, uh, and Lord God, let it flow into this community. Lord, into the highways, into the byways. Lord, let it flow into Ukraine, Lord, as we're able to invest in, in a vehicle, Lord God, and lives are added to your kingdom. Lord, everything that we're doing on this side of heaven, Lord God, should be about building your kingdom. So, Lord, I thank you. Give us that boldness. Lord, I think of the, the early church that when they were told to, to not speak in the name of Jesus, Lord, they went to you. Lord, they went in prayer and they said, Holy Spirit, give us boldness to speak in your name. And Lord God, I declare that over your church right now. Holy Spirit, give us boldness to speak your name. Lord God, to encourage. Lord God, to build other people up. Lord, the way that you've called us to do, the way you did for us. And so, Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen.